Head over to patreon.com slash severe MMA podcast to sign up for our premium content. From the Q&A to the rewatch, we provide multiple shows per week for all your combat sports needs. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of SevereMMA.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. 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 The Severe MMA Podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA Podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome, everybody. It's episode 303 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. the Lord of Scoring, the pod god, the legend, joined today by the Marcus Babel of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about... Who, who, are you, who, who, a.k.a. also known as, who knows you as, as these names? Loads of me, actually. Uh, who was I think it was Sean Shamrock the other day that called me the Score Lord, which is... I feel like a new moniker that really suits me extremely well. You know, I, I, who who else? Who else does what I do, Graham? Literally, who? Do you know what? It's not that they don't do it; it's that they can't do it. You know, that's why that's why people have started calling me the score lord. That, that, that's why this, these new monikers have been bestowed upon me. You know, the the new intro as well this week, Graham, the fucking the editing lord people are calling me. The the new Dr. Dre, T- Timberland Part 2 they're calling me. So I don't know. Lots of people are saying these things. It's not for me to say. I will repeat it when other people say it, but it's not for me to say. But anyway... Uh, this week's episode of the podcast, after much shite talk, is presented by Manscaped. And we used to always be here around St. Patrick's, so we'd be here, ah, Jesus, when we're ready to get gone out, because we didn't have the right tools for the job. But Manscaped now can provide us with those right tools. You need to try this out for yourself. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, I have it right here, hold on. Can you hear that, Graham? There it is. Uh, you need to try it out. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. It's been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. I get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA.com. And I know myself and Graham have talked about it loads of times now, but we were always struggling to find something great to do this job. And now we have it. And any of the men out there listening to this, you need to start uh, taking notes because it's time to reduce those cuts on your nuts to Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, which I have here, hold on, there you go, uh, <laughs> is, is designed to reduce those painful nicks. This is our third generation trimmer featuring the skin safe technology so you can keep those bad boys nice and smooth. The Manscaped engineering tool obsesses over technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience and they spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball trimmer ever created and just... Release the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a, a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to shave in the shower too. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which it is absolutely fantastic, which illuminates you down there when you're having a bit of a shave. And let's not forget about the charging stand, which I actually have right here alongside it. Um, uh, you can show off your more loud and proud because it's intelligently designed stand, the convenient USB charging. You can plug it into your laptop or wherever you want to do it at all to, to charge up so people 
uh, have written stories about the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer and has changed our lives, even included aren't kidding. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Severe May at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's 20% off, free shipping. 20% off, free shipping. Manscaped.com. Use the code Severe MMA. Always use the right tools for the job. Right, Graham. Now, we again, last night... We, we emerged from the UFC card, and we were like, oh, Jesus, here we go again. There's <laughs> there's more rules, there's more illegal fouls, there's more uh, eye pokes, there's more knees in the, the head of a downed opponent. There's a small bit of judging controversy, which I don't think actually there was much judging controversy, so I mean, much of that talk this week, but... <sighs> I suppose, you know, we're a podcast that's kind of maybe become a little bit uh, known for using the phrase, sometimes these things happen in MMA, but it's not even sometimes anymore, is it? It's just always. We we seem to be seeing it now every week. Do you think, like, especially the one last night, I think the Eric Anders one, okay, the, the Leon Edwards one, maybe we'll get into it in a second, but I thought that Eric Anders one was, like, so blatantly obvious that Darren Stewart was down and he just said fuck it and threw the knee anyway. And I know it's in the heat of the moment. And it's something that, you know, we, we, we neither of us or probably no one listening, unless you're a few fighters, can understand how your mind kind of gets taken away there. But, like, <laughs> it was a knee to a guy who was clearly down. And he threw it and he landed it. Like, how is that not intentional it, it seemed very odd to me especially when we had the one last week with peter yan and uh he landed and it was intentional and it was a dq what, what did you think of of that and the madness of last night again yeah well like you know because because it had just happened the week before you kind of just expected it to go the same way um a pretty similar incident um it, like it wasn't a thing where he was like about to get up or he just put his knee down and it was, his knee was down again same thing as the peter yan fight as you mentioned and maybe the knee didn't land as flush. Maybe that was came into the ref's thinking. I don't know, but it shouldn't have. Um, it should have been the same. It should have been a DQ. I don't know why it wasn't. It doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> I thought it was one of those ones where did the knee in the fight? No, but <laughs> it was. It was a bit like you know the the John Jones uh, who was a Matt Hamill one where John Jones was absolutely destroying him. Then he landed, landed an illegal strike at the end. And because of that illegal strike, the fight had to end. But if it was just that illegal strike, the fight probably would have been able to continue. So it was one of those ones. But you can't blame Matt Hamill for that. You can't blame Darren Stewart for that. So it's like it's one of those rules where I, I see um, Matt or, um, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Mark, uh, Mark, uh, Mark Ratner was talking to... Uh, to um, the Mac life afterwards, and he kind of said it like it's one of those ones where the rule is if the referee deems it intentional or not. But like that seems you know we talk about judging a lot and how it's improved because of the the uh, that are written. Whereas this is like oh we let the referee decide and whether he decides this or that. Who knows? And it seems like the uh, the exact same situation, which I think is way too ambiguous for a rule that's in MMA, but. I, and especially as you said, Graham, when you see it two weeks in a row, when you see the N one and this one, and they seem to be exactly the same. Okay, with a little bit less force, but it's uh, it's odd, and it's, it seems to be MMA has just kind of been taken over recently with Madding, and it goes through this a little bit. You know, sometimes we have fucking loads of 
boring fights in a row or sometimes we've loads of great fights or sometimes we've loads of bad things like this or sometimes we've loads of fucking arm bars and arm bar, or sometimes you know it, it it just goes like that sometimes <laughs> in mma and uh yeah it was uh it's definitely a period now where we're in, we're in a mad period and we're just going to get loads of dqs and no contests and things like that i think but uh yeah. Just on that Darren Stewart one, did you did you get a clear replay of it? Because on a couple of the replays, it did actually look like he kind of need his own, he need his arm or his hand into his own, or into Stewart's head. Yeah. Maybe maybe that was because there was some kind of confusion about whether it had actually landed or not. Maybe that played into the ref not wanting to, you know, give the victory to somebody. But you know, he sh- he should be able to clear that up, uh, cage side. Yeah. Um. You know, and if he makes a decision to stop it there, then he has to kind of go with that. You can't reverse your decision, like you know, in a minute later or whatever. Yeah, to me, it looked like it looked like he hit the shoulder, and then it kind of went onto the knee. Like he definitely hit part of the shoulder, or, or sorry, he hit the, the knee off the shoulder, and then it went onto the head, kind of like which is <laughs> it's a uh, it's an odd one because maybe that's the reason why he didn't call it intentional. But like he still threw the knee, and it's still connected with the head. Now, if it didn't connect. Uh, if it only connected with the, the shoulder and not the knee, then it should have been deemed as a win for uh, uh, for uh, Eric Ander, shouldn't it? Because it's an illegal, it's a legal strike. Then if it hits the shoulder, you're allowed to hit him in the shoulder in that area. So either way, I don't well, think it's a maybe the ref was unsure and was, he thought the kind of fairest thing to do not to give a victory to another guy. You know, maybe this is all going on in his head, but yeah, it's, it's messy either way. And yeah. Yeah, you know that, to, that's to, the issue with it. Like we we've we've criticized Her, Herb Dean a lot, and I you know everyone knows my feelings on Herb Dean, but like it, it's not, it's not Herb Dean's fault. I don't think it's the written rules fault. You know we are always talking about soccer and VAR and all this, and if the rule is a stupid rule and it's or not just a stupid rule, but if it's written in a very ambiguous way, and even the refs themselves are like, oh, Jesus, what should I call here? And, you know, Herb, I, I think Rebecca Hitman said it last night, Herb always calls uh, a no contest in that, uh, in, in that uh, situation. And, like, I can't say he's 100% wrong. Like, I, personally, I think he's wrong, because the fighting did due to an illegal strike. So what should that be, a disqualification? But, as you said, there was a bit of this, uh, or a bit of ambiguity around it, so... I don't know. It's uh, it's an odd situation. But then we have the uh, the main event where Leon Edwards versus uh, Balal Muhammad ended in uh, a no contest as well. Uh, after Leon Edwards um, put his finger, I suppose, in Balal Muhammad's eye, and it was one of those ones where, by Balal's reaction, I think everyone immediately knew that the fight was over, and it wasn't one of those ones where someone's hamming it up, or they're like well behind in the fight, and they're like, oh, you know, because we see that sometimes as well, but Balal was immediately distraught because he he was thinking to himself, this is my first main event, this is my chance to be a top five fighter, to you know, blow myself up, to put myself right in the very very uh, top of the title picture, just like Leon Edwards was, or just like everyone was talking about him being there, and it all went up in smoke because of this. And like, it was what it's. I think it shows what you know, a type of a character Bilal is like because it's. Uh, he wasn't thinking about his eye. He wasn't thinking about you know what the the way the fight was kind of going he wasn't thinking about anything like that he was thinking about nothing but his chance being gone and that you know aside from it all sometimes we get carried away and caught up in the the, the intricacies of the the foul or the strike or whatever it might be or the, the judging and all that but from the human side of it itself for that 
you know, I, look for Leon Edwards as well. And I know he, you can think less of it for for him because he was the one, he wasn't the victim of it. But for Bilal, for it all to kind of go up like that in in one, you know, one quick second, it was it was sad. Like it was just. It was a, it's a terrible way for a fight to end anyway but I think the reaction you know of him crying and everything and he was like coupled with his fucking eye being broken out and his eye poked in it I hate like I I think lots of people hate eyes uh, or anything with eyes but I I hate it personally so much because I'm very sensitive about my eyes but uh, it was one of those ones where you just felt so sorry for him you were sickened because the fight was ending that way, and then you're thinking further about Leon Edwards and his kind of journey back in the last two years, and that was kind of gone up in smoke as well. What was your immediate reaction, Graham? Were you the same as me? Were you like, "Oh, this fight is, this fight's over straight away"? Yeah, yeah. The second you know uh, he kind of reacted, he screamed and kind of dropped down. He just it was just over then. Like they started running the clock or whatever, and, and Herb and the doctor were kind of reluctant to to wave it off. But and obviously uh, Bilal didn't want it waved off. But you you know there was no fakery going on there. You could see immediately his reaction, uh, and you could see his eye afterwards as well. That it was yeah, it was definitely a, a bad situation. You know. It's definitely Leon Edwards' fault in, uh, in a way. Like you know, uh, I've seen a lot of sparring, and it's very rare for an eye poke. Um, it seems to be more, more um, prevalent in actual fights. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just you know being less careful because you you're not taking care of your opponent like you are your teammate in the gym or whatever. But it definitely is something that like you know. Um, it, it doesn't seem to have led to like a really bad injury here, but we've seen it lead lead to really bad injuries in the past as well. So it is something that like you know you have to take some blame for, even even if it is unfortunate. And uh, as you mentioned from Bilal Muhammad, like the fight wasn't going his way uh, really, but it was early days, and you know these fighters backed themselves. I don't think there was any kind of like oh here's my here's my out. Like you know there was none of that going on, and um, I think you know. Afterwards, I was I was kind of thinking, are they going to run this back? Is it a big enough fight to, to run back, or are they just going to move on? Um, I'd like to see a run back, just to, you know, um, you know, I, I think Leon Leon was was winning the round, but it was shaping up nicely. You know, he wasn't he went for takedowns and didn't didn't have it all his own way. Like Muhammad was was uh, was definitely still in the fight and all that. So uh, yeah, I don't think we we saw like a definitive, you know, who was going to win the fight. Um, and I think uh, running the back is, is best, but I think maybe they won't. Um, it's not, you know, neither guy is a big draw. This was a main event and, you know, it, it didn't get too many people excited the first time. I don't think it's going to get too many people excited the second time. So maybe it won't happen. And uh, that's unfortunate for, as you said, you know, Bilal Muhammad's big chance in the first main event, first kind of chance to break into the, the upper echelon of the of the rankings. And it's all gone to shit because of an eye poke. And it's very unfortunate and all that. But, uh you know, I wouldn't blame Leon too much, but it, you know, it definitely is uh, you know, on him. Uh, yeah, definitely not on Muhammad at all. I don't think you can blame Muhammad at all here. Yeah, hundred percent. I I'd agree with it. Uh, you know almost everything you said there. I think uh, I'll get back to the eye and maybe the intricacies of it in a second. But I think unlike what they should do next and with the rematch and stuff, I'm I'm not too bothered about which they should do like for for Bilal if you're on his side you're thinking yeah they should because this is his big opportunity but for Leon you're probably thinking okay yeah as he said last night which I'll get to again in a second uh 
you know, he's like, this is only in a short notice because Hamzat pulled out. Um, I want to be fighting for the title. I want to be fighting the big fights. You know, people were saying Colby and everything like that. And that's grand. But I think the problem with him saying that last night is he just poked the lad's eye out. You know, you that's not the time and place. And it that's always been Leon's issue over the last year. Like, I fully believe that Leon Edwards is willing and very much able to fight anyone in the world. Would I pick him to beat anyone in the world? No, but... I pick him to be the vast majority of people in the world. He's really, really good. Uh, so it's nothing about his character or his ability as a fighter or anything like that. But I just think he just... Uh, whenever he talks, he's always kind of just... Makes himself look like a fighter who isn't like willing to fight anyone or who is... You know, and that's, that's the worst thing you can be as a fighter. And uh, that, I don't think that's true at any point at all. I think someone was making a point last night on Twitter. is like... He says something like that, and after an eye poke, and it looks bad. And then the Masvidal thing happened where he got hit backstage, and it looks bad. And then they're like, oh, you know, talking about a Wonderboy fight a couple of months ago. And he's like, no, what, what does one, how does Wonderboy doing to deserve to fight me or something like that? I'm like, come on. You know, it's everything. <laughs> Just every time he, he speaks like that, it's like, come on, Leon. That, this is not it. This is truly not it. And... Uh, I I don't know. I went back and actually listened to it, and it wasn't wasn't as bad as it was written in the. I think it was Sean Al Shati tweeted, and not again Sean. He tweeted word for word, but it didn't sound as bad. And he said other good things as well. But after you poke a guy in the eye, that, that's not the time for it. You like that's the time to give the the Dana White. We'll see what happens next week. Kind of answer, you know. And I look. It's not that he's wrong. I wouldn't agree with him. What he's wrong, but timing was wrong more than anything else. Um. It look, I think the thing about it is, uh, where is Usman going? What's Usman going to do? Is he going to fight Edwards after that? I doubt it. Like you know, I think he'll want. Uh, I don't know what he'll want to be honest, but he'll want probably a big, <laughs> bigger money match. He'll probably be trying to get GSP or he'll be trying to get fucking someone. You know, um, but it's it's one of those where it could be good timing. It could be. A case of, you know, Usman doesn't fight that often. And we've seen that with champions in the past, with Habib and others, and, you know, Steep and stuff as well, that maybe it's the type of thing where if Bilal, Bilal tweeted last night that it's the eye poke isn't too, or the eye isn't too bad and that he's recovering sight. So if he can get back to, to business pretty quickly, maybe they can run this back in, in the early summer and do it again. Um, or maybe they can get get him another fight. Like, there's, there's Tyron Woodley is fighting for Cynthia Luca in two weeks' time in Las Vegas. If someone falls out of that fight, Leon Edwards should be ready for it. Like, that's the type of thing Leon Edwards needs. He needs a fight like that to get him to where he wants to get to immediately. He was supposed to fight Tyron Woodley. Okay, Woodley has kind of gone down a bit since uh, since that fight was supposed to happen because he got a couple of losses. But that would be a big win. And I think probably enough to for him, if he was to win it, to come out and go right title shot this is this is my time and for people not to be like oh leon come on uh so i think that's where he needs to uh what he needs to do and what his next step needs to be maybe not specifically that fight but he needs i think he needs another fight unless he gets very lucky and an usman uh to you know bites and an usman needs him next but um the on the eye poke itself right so I thought it was, uh, when I was watching it at the start, I was like, oh, he was kind of a range finder again, because I was watching the replays, and you see him sticking out his left hand, and it looks like one of those ones, like a John Jones one, or someone, you know, even Leon in the first round, but having watched it again, it wasn't, it wasn't that at all, so Leon is a southpaw, as we know, and he threw 
a kind of a straight left down the pipe, but it wasn't one of those ones where it was a you know a McGregor straight left where he's you know banging it in down. It was one of those ones where he throws it out there so he can land the kick after it. So it was just like the opening shot in the middle of a combination. So it was like it, it wasn't a range finder and it wasn't a big straight punch, but it was just like a tap you in the face and then and then uh, and then kick you in the body. And I think yeah. he just reached for it. Look here over here. Yeah, one. he. I think he just reached for it a little bit and caught him in the eye. Like it wasn't. I when people put out the hands and it's a range finder and they pull people in the eye. I think they're really bad. Like your hands are out that way. That you could argue that that's intention. Like Herb warned him in the first, or was it Herb? I think it was Herb. Uh, warned him in the first round about that. And if he'd done that again, you know, I'd be like, oh, maybe this is it. Maybe this is intentional. Maybe this should be a DQ. And now, now I probably don't think it should be. And Perb definitely wouldn't have given it. But you could argue that way if you wanted to argue that way. But when it's the left hand, when it's the backhand coming out and he's kind of stretching into it, there's no way. It's not out there. It's not, you know, it's not just being poked in his face constantly and he happens to find an eye. This was being thrown at 100 miles an hour in the middle of a big combination and it's absolutely not intentional and not the same, not the same strike he got warned for the first time. So, now, that's obviously from the the cold-hearted point of view. If you're looking at it in a human point of view, you're like saying, fucking Bilal Mohammed deserved probably to DQ or Bilal didn't deserve what happened to him in the end, but it was... Yeah, it was a situation where it was. I wouldn't blame Leon too much. Am I too being too kind to Leon, or would you would you see it the same way? Yeah, I think it is a kind of decent surprise in MMA situation where uh, you know it's it's going to happen sometimes, and I don't think it was like you know malicious. I don't think it was um, as you mentioned the kind of John Jones thing where it's kind of there as a shield to stop you stepping in. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it was more. It was more. Um, it was more a uh, mistake, but it, like, you know, it, when you've already been warned, it does kind of look bad. But I think, yeah, as you mentioned, I think the, the situations were different. I don't think, you know, uh, he should have been disqualified or anything like that. I think, you know, it was the correct call to for this one to be a no contest. Yeah, 100%. I suppose, you know, we must mention as well in the, in the first round, because we had a first round. Um, Edwards came out. Now, if anyone watched the, the rewatch this week, I went back and watched the Brian Barberina fight, who would be known as a more pressure fighter, especially fighting someone as good as Leon Edwards. And what Edwards did against him, he pressured him. And that's exactly what he did here as well. He pressured the pressure guy in Bilal and did a great job of pushing him back and was landing some good strikes. As you mentioned, Graham, on the podcast last week, I think it was, or the, the preview show we did, um, his timing wasn't off at all. And I think that, as you were saying, it because he's not as much of a power striker, he's more of a, you know, a, a varied kind of striker who lands lots of different strikes. It didn't matter as much to him. Um, and, and that kind of, I think that turned out to, to be the case. There was no real signs of ring rust there. And he looked really, really good, which is another sad thing as well, because Leon looked so good in that first round. And he probably, you know, I think he would have gone on to win the fight, but obviously we don't know. And it would have been a case of saying, oh, Leon looked really, really good. He beat Bilal. Now he's, you know, everything everyone's been saying for the last maybe six months about him being really good and, and all is has been proven right. And that's, I think, what a lot of people are kind of looking for, just for him to prove it again that, you know, these days he's he still hasn't. He's still right there. Uh, and I think he was on his way to do that, which is very sad. And he landed that big head kick. Uh, Bilal <clears throat> was hurt by him. 
and also cut by it. Um, and Leon just, I thought, dominated the whole round. I didn't think it was a 10-8. I thought it was a 10-9. But it, I thought it was verging on a 10-8. When you do that much damage, when you have that much impact with that head kick and you dominate the, the rest of the round, there's there's two of the Ds right there. So you have to consider it in that uh, in that situation. But I don't think it was quite it. But uh, a great round for him. And obviously, it was very, very early in the, uh, in the second round that uh how long was it after 18 seconds into the second round so there wasn't uh there wasn't much in it in the second round so very very unfortunate way to end the fight um if they're on the back i'd have no problem with it but uh i'm not sure it's going to happen but we'll we'll see how it goes uh after that anyway uh right we'll mention a few of the other fights on the card here there's a lot of <coughs> quick finishes uh, on this card outside of that uh, the next two fights, Ryan Spann defeated Mirsha Sarkanov and Dan Iga def- defeated Gavin Tucker. Uh, one in 11 seconds and one in 22 seconds. Three uh, seconds. Three, three seconds. seconds. Was that three seconds? <laughs> don't, don't get me started. Oh, how What do you think? Three, uh, four, five, no. three? I think it was three? Two, what do you think? Five? Seconds. You think five? Let's see who's closer. Let's see who's closer. I think it was three. <laughs> Look, one, two, two three. I'm from Manchester. I'm from Clitheroe. No, Daniel, shut up. Why do I? I don't know what. But yeah, it was. I think last night was the worst commentary in UFC history. <laughs> To be honest, it was so bad. Not to go on, no, not to go on another commentary rant because uh, like some people love it and some people hate it. But oh god, you have to be honest about it as well, dog. And I like, I love Bisping. I think he's great. And Bisping tried his best to not make it into a fucking watch along podcast, but God, he failed. <laughs> he failed badly. Oh, like when's this Daniel Cormier nightmare gonna end? He's just so bad. In fairness, Bisping, you know, Cormier is a, a hard beast to tame in that commentary. He is. Dude. He, is. he just doesn't give a shit you about try the to fights. Put him off, but he's just gonna barrel through and get off his jokes that he has ready. Yeah, your your tweet last night about <laughs> what was it? Well, he didn't probably even see the first nineteen seconds of the fight because he was coming up with another shit joke to tell. I thought that was a that was a fantastic way to describe Daniel Cormier's. Uh, commentary fucking style but yeah he's just like i i think almost everyone dislikes his commentary like it's i'm sure people love him and i i think he's really good on ariel's show and uh andy stevenson sent me a one the other day of him doing like a sit down kind of show talking about fights and i watched a bit of that and that yeah. was funny like think, I, like I, if know. if if Cormier's like you know commentary skills were exactly as they are now, but he was like an and not liked or not like well liked, if he was just like another guy, another UFC champion that people know but don't really have any affection for, or the media don't love, or yeah. the, you know, you know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if he wasn't like an American wrestler, Olympian, all that kind of stuff, um, like you know, would people be kind of all over him? You know, people were all over Kenny Florian. I think Kenny Florian wasn't great, but I think he was better than uh, Cormier. You know what I mean? And uh, any time he made a mistake or did something stupid, people were love were like ready to you know make fun of him and all that stuff. But because it's Cormier, it just kind of seems he gets a, gets a pass on a lot of things from a lot of people. But I do see more people kind of speaking up on social media about uh, him him being annoying now in the commentary booth. So you know. Uh, I don't know. Dan Hardy's like now gone from the UFC. It seems um, yeah. it's a pity because you know he is, you know, a lot better, and uh, he kind of would be the you know if you had him on the roster, you, you could kind of plug him in more. And I think he could, uh, if given the chance, he could be the he could be one of the best, if not the best. 
like it's uh, it the, just seems that it just seems that Cormier is kind of in with everybody and everybody kind of likes him and he just kind of gets a pass on things. Yeah, and that's the way of the world, though. <laughs> Especially in MMA. Well, yeah, it's. It, I was thinking about Brian Stan last night and Dan Hardy. Like To me, the two best commentators in UFC history, and they're both gone. I think that's kind of sad. And then you have probably the worst one in these big main events and in big pay-per-view fights. It's... Uh, I'd like to. I'd like to get it in at some stage. When I was, this is you know, going back watching fights. He's doing it. He's doing it for years now, and he's like at one stage there. I thought he was getting better, and I think when he's by himself, he's actually grand. But he's never by himself anymore, and it's just getting worse and worse and more annoying all the time. And like, I, I personally think the UFC has brilliant commentary, especially when Dan Hardy was there. He was brilliant. John Gooden is brilliant. I think uh, Brendan Fitzgerald is good. I I think John Anik, when he's not talking about judging these days, is really, really great. You know, Rogan is good when he's with the right person, but not as good as he used to be. I think Dominic Cruz is fantastic. I really like Paul Felder. I like Bisping. So they have some great, great commentators. It's just he brings everyone down, and it's it's oh, it's so bad. But I I don't know. I digress anyway. But this um the two fights we were talking about there, the quick finishes, uh, Ryan Span against Misha Sarkanov. It was a night of straight rights. I think it was the first fight of the night as well, wasn't it? The uh, hold on, let me. Uh, Matthew Smellisberger, he got the the straight right uh, as well. Beautiful shot. Span got it. Ige got it. Span Span's one. He he knocked him down. He knocked down Serkinov, um, and uh, let him kind of back up, and he just landed some more shots, and that was that. It's a minute and eleven seconds. Sorry, it was not eleven seconds, but uh, he he, you know, he gave him that kind of that opportunity, which I like, which is, and I think the commentary actually mentioned that as well. He gave him enough. Uh, space to kind of get back up and then landed more shots knowing that he was hurt and the big power shots that he could land afterwards would be quicker to finish than anything else so that was really really smart from Ryan Spann and a great win for him in that division and uh, Ige as well like I, I think I picked Tucker coming into it actually we was mentioning our, our fantasy league in a second as well after this yeah, um, too, yeah. yeah so uh, what a great win for him like I, I uh, edited him onto Conor McGregor's body <laughs> so it was one of them ones it was like the fight starts boom it's over and a beautiful shot from Danny like Danny is not necessarily the biggest puncher in the world I didn't think but maybe he is and maybe something changed and uh, he got a really really good win so that's to like to me that's a bigger win than maybe the rankings or whatever suggest I think Gavin Tucker is really good and okay he lost to Rich Glynn and stuff uh, before and he's lost here against so maybe he hasn't the, the best uh, the best record against the biggest guys in the world as you kind of mentioned last week as well but I I think he's a fantastic fighter. I think he's one of the best in that division. And <clears throat> for Danny get to beat him in in what was it, twenty two seconds is is absolutely fantastic. So uh, one hundred percent fair play to him. Um, and as we do that, and we go down through the cards. If you want to put in your picks for next week, go to the Fight Picks app. Uh, go to your Google Play Store or your one on on uh, iPhone if you're one of those losers, and <laughs> and search for Fight Picks. You'll see the the blue and white logo. Download the app. Go to join league, search for Severe MMA and join the Severe MMA podcast league. At the top now, we have CRH1 on 199 points. We have uh, Corey there in second place. We've Marby KDOC is there, thereabouts as well. Going down through the rankings here. Sean Dinney's in 14th place, doing very well. Shane Heffron as well. Uh, Kalen, our boys around there. Aaron, me in 26th place, Graham. I'm, I'm winning. I'm, I'm doing good. You're yeah, doing well. down a long way to find me, I'd say. <laughs> 
Patrick <laughs> in there. He's in a while there. Tart did. Harry, Harry uh, Powell is there. Our boy uh, Theo Lander, the legend, uh, is there as well. So you're there now, 57 place, just in front of uh, Severe Groupie. So you're not doing too bad. And Kel Allen is just behind you as well. And Andy Stevenson. So a lot of people now. How many people joined it? Oh, scroll down a good way. It's 100... 166 members so it's a really good league so far and um uh thanks everyone who's joined us so far and if you haven't joined it's a fan just a mma fantasy league uh these guys just started the app there recently and it's really really good they've started updating it during fight night as well uh after a few uh after the this uh, event or during this event so it's really really good now you can follow along during the night and uh i uh, i really really enjoy it so uh get involved download the app and join the severe mma fantasy league um so yeah graham while the, the next few fight david grant i suppose our boy jake absolutely fucking ecstatic after this win <laughs> another one from uh some south shields gets the win i i was kind of i was doing Toonami. the thing Toonami. i was doing i don't i wonder actually is he a toon army fan or is he a sunderland fan i wasn't sure but i said i'd go with toon army anyway um I, I, I actually haven't gone back and watched the fight, and but I I kind of half missed the first round. But I didn't think he was doing too great, was he? In the first round, and came back with this beautiful knockout. Yeah, no, he, I thought he, I thought he was. Yeah, I thought it looked like it was going to a. It was going to be uh, Martinez. Martinez had him um, had him in trouble in the the first round, and uh, you know he's kind of short time and kind of nearly safe, but not like you know about to be knocked out or anything. But he was definitely in trouble and. He came out in the second round, and it looked like it was going to be the same, the same story again. But that 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 left hand that kind of becoming his money shot, yeah. absolutely cleaned out Martinez and ended the fight. Absolutely beautiful uh, overhand left. Yeah, I think I think we we're talking on the preview show last week. The Davies, Davies, an underrated guy in that division at Bantamweight, as you mentioned, power. You know. If he can keep knocking guys out like that, he'll quickly rise up those ranks. And if he could just stay fit and get more fights, maybe stay out in fucking Vegas and, <laughs> and try to get another one pretty quickly. Although his leg looked like it was hurt afterwards, so maybe not. But um, yeah, hopefully he can stay fit. Hopefully he can get one month of win. Hopefully he can get another two fights this year. Wouldn't that be absolutely great? And uh, great for English MMA as well. Um, you know, a night that with Leon Edwards ended kind of badly but at least they have this and uh, a great uh, you know and obviously with Darren Stewart as well very very unfortunate but they have a good win for Davy Grant as well so um, fair play to Davy he's a great great lad um, we mentioned Eric Anders Darren Stewart one obviously at the start and then Matthias Nicolau versus Manuel Cape uh, so a lot of people were calling this uh, a robbery and stuff this is absolutely not a robbery. I went back and watched it afterwards because I, I missed it. I was doing the, the Twitter spaces thing with uh, with Ariel and Darren Till. It was absolutely hilarious. But um, I, I went back and watched it. So, look, the first two rounds, we know, I think most people would, would acknowledge Cape won one of the rounds. Uh, Nicola won the other round. And it just came down to the third round. And it was one of those where I personally had Nicola well ahead going into the last minute. I think... Uh, look, the commentary, I don't think they necessarily did a, a terrible job, but I don't think they picked up on everything that he was landed or how f much better the stuff he landed was than what Cape landed. Uh, I thought he was well, well, well ahead. But then Manuel Cape came back and had a great last minute and landed two beautiful shots, one a knee to the body. Uh, one, I think it was a left hand which rocked Nicolau a little bit. And 
at that point, I was like, oh, who's going to win this round? And then Nicolau came back and landed a beautiful, I think it was a kick to the body as well, really late in the round, which to me was his best shot of the round after Cape had landed too, just before that. So if you're scoring that round, do you score it on those two Cape shots? Did they overtake everything else that Nicolau landed? Maybe. You know, maybe. If you want to go like pure to the... Uh, um, immediately impactful shots. Yeah, you could say that, but I like K- Nicolau landed lots of immediately impactful shots as well. Like watching it back, and I wasn't sure. I know people were saying it was Robbie and stuff, but I wasn't sure which way it was going. I didn't see the result. Um, and or maybe I saw, but I didn't. It didn't fucking go at me. I was like, oh, uh, which way is it going to go? I scored it just for Nicolau. I th- I just thought sometimes you know people always criticize judges. They look at what's late in the round more than everything else. But I think this was a good example of one where they're looking at what happened earlier in the round as well. Because if you're just to look at what happened late, it's it's Cape. But I think the work Nicolau did earlier in that round meant something. It definitely meant something. He was landing some big shots, uh, immediately impactful shots, and I. Don't, look, did Cape do enough to overtake him? Maybe. But then that late shot came again, and I think that was just enough for Nicolau. I would like if you scored this for Nicolau, if you scored this for Cape, I don't think you can be criticized. And absolutely I saw people saying robbery and even my, my mm. boy Aaron Bronsetter was saying it. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. What what did you think of it? I don't think it was a robbery, but I do think it was the wrong decision. I, I thought, uh, you know, rocking them to the to the head and rocking them to the body, I thought they were the most, you know, they were the big, I know it was good work done, but I think they were by far the the biggest impactful strikes of the round. Maybe it was just the way you took them or whatever. Maybe, you know, it's obviously a judgment call and you can make that call or whatever you, you, you think differently than me. But, uh, yeah, I do think that uh, those two big shots, like it wasn't just two big shots. You know, he was doing real work as well. It wasn't in the case yeah. of like getting dominated and then just landing two two big strikes, one to the body, one to the head or whatever. I think it was even enough. He, he was losing the round, but I think it wasn't a blowout. And then I think, you know, that kind of flurry uh, or that kind of, you know, 30 seconds or whatever it was, definitely pushed it over the head for him. And I was surprised that he didn't didn't win the decision. Yeah, it, like it was. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones where you. I think if you're if I was watching that live, I probably would have definitely scored it for Cape as well. But come back and watch, and I would have find two come, which actually probably maybe isn't the best thing to do. <laughs> Although um, the the judges kind of are doing that live, whereas we're watching, we're listening to commentary, we're watching the fight, we're trying to score it, we're trying to talk about tactics and all of that. So it's obviously very much tougher or very much different than a, a judge sitting there and just watching the product of the impact or the product of the uh, submission attempts or whatever. So, obviously, you know, very, very difficult job, but a close fight. If you're calling that a robbery, you're probably a fucking idiot. So, there you go. Um, In the undercard, your girl Angela Hill looked fucking fantastic. I thought thought it was one of the best performances we've seen from her. She, Someone said last night she looked like, she fought like Ashley Oder owed her money, which was uh, an appropriate one, which we usually don't see big, hurtful strikes from Angela Hill, but uh, I thought she looked good. Now, Ashley Oder, I don't think is the best fighter in the world, but a good good performance from Angela Hill. Anyway, uh, Charles, Charles Jordan got a beautiful... Um, showtime hammer fist KO win over Marcelo Rojo. Uh, when uh, in in a very exciting fight, that one very good. Ronnie, yeah, yeah, the fucker got a second round um, submission when I him back to get a first round submission. So Ronnie, yeah, yeah, is officially not part of Team Sheehan after that. Uh, but uh, no, good. Look, 
Ray Rodriguez is a guy who has been around for a long time, obviously, and Ronnie just took him down twice and that was that basically I think he could have submitted him in the first round uh, but he was playing it kind of safe I think and Ray did a good job of isolating that leg kind of locking it down a bit uh, so he couldn't get out but yeah he got the uh, arm triangle in the second round anyway so good job by him I thought Nazareth Hackbrass looked absolutely fantastic didn't have the best first round but fighting off the back foot against someone who is talked up as a, as a great wrestler just didn't let him get into range this is always how I thought you should fight Habib uh if uh, well well maybe that maybe that's uh, maybe you know well i leave that one where it is but <laughs> this is how i think you should fight lots of wrestlers a lot of people pressuring you fight them well off the back foot be first and then pressure them forward you know i think that's the way to beat them and that's exactly what nazareth did he looked powerful he looked good he looked slick i was calling him the anti anthony pettis because he was circling he was fighting off the back foot he was jabbing he wasn't getting taken down he wasn't accepting the clinch it just everything that f- would frustrate someone watching anthony pettis hackbrass was doing the exact opposite I like. I'd love to see him fight Bobby Green. I think it'd be a great fight. Uh, both of them fighting, obviously down a lightweight now. Uh, I I think that'd be really really good. So let's make that happen. Um, JJ Aldrich and Courtney Casey split decision. Another robbery, robbery. <laughs> did, did you think so? <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, I don't think it was a robbery. I think it was close, but I thought the wrong. I actually picked Aldrich to win in the fantasy league, but I thought she she lost. Uh, but it, was, I, it was close, you know. It wasn't. Uh, yeah, it wasn't I, a robbery. I was only joking. I, I thought she lost thirty twenty seven. To be honest, I thought Courtney Casey won every round. This, like that second round where she laid on top for for a good bit and landed. She landed maybe three good strikes. I didn't think that was enough. Um, but yeah, it, it was one of those ones where even I scored a thirty twenty seven and it was still close. You could have given a twenty nine twenty eight Aldridge. You could you could nearly have given a thirty twenty seven Aldridge. To be honest, but you know it's. It's very hard. I, you know, Aldrich well, as well. The first round, mm-hmm. the first round was Casey. Casey definitely. Yeah. Um, second round, you know, uh, the one where you're talking about there, where okay, I can see it for Aldrich, but it's it's yeah, it's it's up. It's a coin toss that one, and then the third round I thought was clear enough for Casey as well. But uh, you know, it wasn't. You know, yeah, it was very very close. It was you know fine margins. Indeed. Uh, and then Janu Freby, Gloria De Paula, and Matthew Smellisberger, as we mentioned earlier on, got that beautiful uh, straight right KO over Jason Witt. So, oh, overall, really, really good night of fights. Pity it ended the way it did, and kind of the main card started the way it did as well. So, but look, these things happen in MMA. We need to get the t shirt. We need to get the t shirt. Um, right, so. We'll talk about next week's car for a second. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about Cage Warriors, a little bit of trilogy coming up, but I will have Brad Wharton on this week again, like we've had for the last two trilogy cards, to preview it, so that... Oh, God, what day will that be out? Uh, Wednesday, maybe, I think. So I'll put it out for free for everyone. It'll be up on Patreon as well. If you want to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. There's... 781 podcasts once this one is up uh, on patreon and you get every single one of them for five feckin dollars wow, wow. graham the, the you couldn't get better value than that you couldn't get it just sign up severemeta.com forward slash patreon severemeta.com forward slash points the cost of a pint a month you can sign up for patreon so do that there all that money you've been saving not buying points for the last yeah. year yeah. <laughs> you can you can, you can spare <laughs> 
one of those. <laughs> I, I was thinking there actually. I was. Uh, I'm actually moving my my office and my desk and stuff uh, out to the out to the man cave. I got a radiator put it in there the other day, and I was moving things around for fucking hours. And I sat down. I was like, I'll have an old can of beer here, and I realized I think it was like maybe the second can of beer I've had this year, or maybe the third or something like that. I'm like, Jesus, it's what fucking three and a half months into the year, <laughs> or two and a half months, or whatever it is, and I didn't even get an opportunity to have a few cans running. It's oh fucking hell, this it's shit crack. So yeah, I uh, a lot of people out there are probably the same. So send us that money. <laughs> listen to all the podcasts and uh yeah we've some good interviews KJR is coming up this week i have uh you can nearly guess i'd say who i'm interviewing outside of uh outside of brad as well so uh, it should be fun um right so this card next week not the best card in the world maybe uh looking at the undercard we have uh uh johnny eduardo anthony burchak montel jackson jersey schrader trevin giles roman delizze that actually i think that could be uh, a good fight at Middlewest. Uh, Leonardo Santos versus Grant Dawson. That's not bad as well. Um, Marion Renault, Macy Chison, and women's bantamweight. Whenever a fight happens at women's bantamweight, you're looking at it like, oh, could this be a contender? I know both of those have been around a long time, but, uh, you know, maybe. And in the main event, uh, Cheyenne Boys versus Montserrat Ruiz. Neither of them have a Wikipedia page, so that should be fun. Uh, Song Keenan versus Max Griffin. Uh, Tai Tuivasa, Dantel Mays. Good to see Tai back. Always, uh, always interesting. Gregor Gillespie versus Brad Riddell. That's a very interesting fight. Neither of those lads Australian, which is the oddest thing in the world because they both sound like Australians. And then now uh, we have Derek Brunson versus your boy, Kevin James Holland. Is his middle name James? I just made that up, but I, I feel like it is. Um... That main event, Graham. So, Kevin Holland's last couple of fights, beating Jacare in the first round, as we remember that famous hammer fist from the bottom, uh, beating Charlie Antiveros and Darren Stewart before that as well. Um, Derek Brunson, it seems like an age since he's beaten Edmund Shabazzian, but he did, and Ian Heinish and Elias Tedoro uh, before that. So, you know, Edmund, or, um, Derek Brunson has always been kind of the guy who is the yardstick for success in that division. This is seemingly like he's kind of moved on and he's become... He, he was always a very good fighter, but he's become a guy who I think wants to get to that next level. Uh, and with a win here, he pushes himself towards a title shot with not that many contenders there. Okay, you have the, the Till-Vittori fight coming up. You have the Whitaker fight against... Who's Whitaker fighting? Uh, Costa coming up. Izzy's probably coming back down as well. So this would be a good time, wouldn't it, Graham, to get a, a big win here over Kevin Holland. And for Kevin Holland as well to beat Derek Brunson, he would take that step towards contendership. Big fight, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's an interesting one. It's, it's a hard one to call, you know. Um, Brunson's been around for a long time and fought a very high level of competition and Holland's kind of, you know, getting there at the, uh, as we speak at the moment. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm not as convinced on Kevin Holland as, as I think a lot of other people are. Like, looking at the odds here, I'm surprised that Brunson's the underdog. I, at those odds, I'd probably, I'd probably have a little bet on uh, Brunson, you know. It's a, it's a really close fight. I have to take a bit of a closer look at both guys, but... I'm surprised that uh, the Holland is uh, how, how big of an underdog is he? Favorite. Um, let me just check. I had a look earlier. Hold on a second. Just talk there for a second. Hello there, Sanchi in here. Here we go. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, one point five nine all the way down to one point five for Holland. What does that mean? Uh, Two point five to. Uh, what does that mean in fractional? Is it? Yeah. In fractional, real... you want? Yeah. Yeah. One <laughs> 
Hello there, everybody. Sean G in here. In real money. Uh, yeah, in real money. What's in real money. Uh, you can this. get them uh, in You can get Brunson at 30, 31 to 20 and Holland at 20 to 33. Yeah. So like 4 to 7 approximately for yeah, Holland. It's... 13 to 10 for Brunson. 13 to 10. Mm, no, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's just about right. Yeah, I think Holland should be fair. Like, I think Holland is good in the start of fight Brunson brings to, which I think is actually Brunson's big advantage over most guys. You know, he kind of makes it wild and he lands that big left hand shot. Um, but we've seen guys before uh, who, when they're good in that sort of fight, they can kind of pick Brunson off a little bit. Uh, was it uh, Adesanya kind of did it, and uh, was it Whitaker as well that did it? But uh, I've. I agree with you. I don't think Holland is on their level, but I still think he's very good. And I do think that his ability to do, like Jacare, landing that um, landing that hammer fist from the bottom against fucking Jacare is absolutely insane. <laughs> so yeah, I, I you know I think he'll win. I I think it will. There will be a lot of wild scrambles. I don't think this is going to be. And I I think Holland can fight this way, and and you know uh, Brunson can as well. I think Brunson will be defensive, and you could see it be a tactical fight a bit. But I think it will break down into just wild exchanges or wild clinches or a big shot from the clinch. A lot of Brunson's fights always historically have, and he's brilliant at dragging lads into that. Um, so I, I, but I think um, I think he will. Uh, Holland will be able to survive that, and he will be able to get the uh, the win. I, I fancy him inside the distance, but uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, anyway, and it's a look. It's a big night and a few big nights for middleweight. I think middleweight is not the best division in the world. But uh, as I was kind of talking about last night, uh, about the heavyweight division, it that's the same. It's not the best division in the world. But if you look at heavyweight over the next year, like and you see what we could have. So we're going to have Stipe versus Francis here in two weeks. Then we could have the winner of that versus John Jones. Then we could have, you know, imagine like Derek Lewis versus John Jones or Derek Lewis versus Steve Bear or something like that. You know, it'd be fun. It mightn't be the, the most competitive fight in the world. But then we have Cyril Gann coming. And then we have maybe Tom Aspinall after that, you know, if it's two years' time or whatever down. there's. It seems like right now that division at the very top could be very good just because like four or five guys have kind of emerged as the next guys we're expecting. And the same thing could happen at middleweight. Not the best division in the world, but I'd love to see Adesanya fight a couple of those guys or a rematch um, uh, Robert Whitaker again. I think it'd be very, very good. So that could happen at that division. And I think Izzy kind of moving away for six months might have helped that as well, you know, especially for Robert Whitaker. It's kind of given him that opportunity to. Uh, to, to bounce back and to get his mojo back and, and win that fight. So this is a big fight as well for that. And in the in the comment event, it's a bi- I think it's a big night as well for Gregor Gillespie coming back after losing to, to Kevin Lee. And he was on a great run before that. And, uh, you know, he's fighting a guy, Brad Riddell, who is out of his nine victories, five of them have come by uh, by KO. And, you know, he's won, okay, three in a row by decision, uh, beating Alex De Silva most recently. But I think that's a big fight for, for both of those guys as well. And uh, I think uh, Gregor will be looking to bounce back here and get a get a big win after his first career loss. So that's an interesting couple of fights uh, up the top. Not the best card in the world, but uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing it and seeing uh, how it goes uh, as well. Um... Right, so let's talk about cage wars a little bit. Now we won't break it down totally here because I'm as obviously I'm getting Brad on uh, to do that. Um, but before we we do that, obviously we have to give uh, our condolences to um, to all the, the the UK MMA fraternity, um, all the the officials around. Obviously Neil Hall passed away uh, this week, and it was it was odd. I was doing the rewatch this week, and it was. Um, 
Yeah, it was Brian Barberina versus Leon Edwards. The I think it was the night actually that uh, that Neil passed away, and there he was, the referee in that fight. As as I was watching, I was like, "Geez, that's that's odd," <laughs> you know, that I just kind of forwarded to that position, and there he was. And I was talking to to Ben Cartledge about him and Brad actually as well, uh, and. They ha- everyone had good things to say about him like Neil um, I- I'm sure um, you know what me uh, telling people he was telling me about how you know Mark Goddard obviously and-, and some of the other lads as well when they kind of moved to the international scene they were uh, before that they were kind of all in it together I think you know providing judges for shows and local shows and Neil kind of took that over so any of the local shows you'd seen over the last few years um, Neil was kind of the one providing the judges providing the referees and getting the lads you know the, those officials paid and having it like as, as a more professional outfit than it had been down through the years and you know that's a tough job to do if anyone knows how dealing with people in MMA that's a very very tough job to do and you know he was a good solid referee thankless did, job as well <laughs> very very thankless job you know did Don't some did some of the the big fights in cage warriors and obviously in the ufc and all the promotions as well so um you know the one thing i you know i pulled up that picture of the the paddy uh paddy hula and lewis or um josh sampo fight the the one the madness in in ufc dublin where everyone was you know drink i got soaked drinks going all over everyone and the whole irish crowd you know it had been five years or something like that since the ufc had been back and conor mcgregor was just coming through it all the madness and it was that second paddy paddy hoolan won everyone just went insane and we were all jumping up and down and all the madness coming i say you won press row as well grab but the one person there with josh sampa was neil hall and you could you know we refereeing and judging and all that officiating is a tankless job, but uh, that's why they're there in the end to take care of the fighters, and he did that. And it's uh, you know it's a nice way I think to, to remember someone, and obviously it's very very sad. But you you would have seen Neil down through the years, Graham, and he was he was a good referee, a good official, wasn't he? And everyone had a good word to say about him. Yeah, yeah, you know it was never really um, you know you're a good ref and people don't talk about you <laughs> when you, when you ref a lot and and you're kind of under the radar. That that's a very good sign. Um, you know, we talk about like Herb Dean and things all the time, and uh, even even you know a lot of people like Mark Goddard or whatever. Uh, but you know, uh, people dislike him. But with with Neil Hall, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say a bad word about him, and he just kind of quiet quiet guy it seemed got on with his work uh, a thankless job as we mentioned and it was uh, unexpected and very sad uh, to, to hear to hear he died. Um, like I didn't know him personally or anything. I, I've been at shows that he that he was at, but he kind of just kept to himself as far as I could see, um, and just kind of got on with the job. And um, you know, uh, as I mentioned, you know, um, he wasn't really involved in any any controversies, and he he refed a lot of fights. So that's a that's kind of best thing you can say about a ref. Uh, if you if you don't really hear about them, then they're doing their job correct. And yeah, it's just it's just so unexpected and, and sad. And hopefully, uh. Hopefully, um, you know, they can find somebody who can or multiple people who can replace them because I'd say it's it's not going to be easy to to get somebody to do that job. And um, maybe people don't realize what what you how much you contribute until you're gone. Yeah, 100% de- definitely. And uh, obviously, as we mentioned, condolences from, from all of us to, to everyone in, involved in, in UK MMA and obviously his uh, his family and and. Uh, you know all the all the promotions and everyone he's he's dealt with as well so very very sad obviously but um you know it's well it's hard to move on from that i suppose but we have cage warriors this uh this weekend and they're back with uh, another trilogy card on the thursday friday and saturday of this week obviously we have some 
Irish interest in it. Looking at so looking at the Cage Warriors one twenty card, Jamie Richardson versus Ken Kapinen in the main event. Not the not the standout main event that we've maybe expected from Cage Warriors over the last while. And nothing against Jamie Richardson or Ken Kapinen. I think this would be a fine, you know, main card fight. Um and you know, I think maybe one of the one of the welterweights, or even both the welterweight fights, uh, for the the the, the belt, the the semifinals, maybe topping this card would have been a little bit better, and having face off in the cage afterwards or something like that. But look, it's it's a fine fight anyway. Under that, we have uh, Paul Hughes versus uh, James Hinden. In you know, it's an in- a very interesting fight for Paul Hughes because he lost his last fight. And it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back because, you know, the initial reaction was I was kind of, I was robbed and all of that. And that's, I don't think that's a great reaction to have. But if that reaction has changed and it was like, right, I need to do this and this and this. I know we were watching it that night uh, live and watched it back afterwards. And it was like, you know, there was ways that fight could have been won. And if he's gone back and looked at that, and I'm sure he has, uh, and improved, that could be the best thing that's ever happened to him. But what's your sense? And, you know, James Hinden as well, a very, very good fighter. It's a, it's an odd... I think it's, you know, Neil... Or, um, Ian Dean is... Neil. Ian, Ian Dean is fantastic. Um, a fantastic matchmaker. And I would never question what he does. But for Paul Hughes, if he had won his last fight, he would have been fighting for the title because his opponent, Vucinic, which we'll get to in a second, is fighting for that title. And to go back to someone, James Hinden, okay, he's 5-0 and Hughes is 6-1. and one. I know they're similar sort of records, but it just seems like it's another prospect rather than someone who is... He fights them. He's fighting for the title next, you know. And I, 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 it's a bit, it's a bit odd to to me. But it's it's a good fight. I'd take nothing away from it. But um, it's it's a big fight, isn't it, for Paul Hughes? And interesting to see how he bounces back and how he takes that loss, isn't it? Yeah, you know, we see a lot of guys uh, lose and come back a lot better. You know, they study the the tape. They see what they could have done. As you mentioned, there was ways to win that fight that maybe he didn't capitalize on. And I'm sure he's gone back and looked at that. Uh, if, if if his attitude was uh like it was the judges robbed me or whatever i'm sure his team were able to look back and say either way like you know these are things you could have done better and he, uh, he seems like a guy who develops between fights uh from what we've seen historically uh, a lot so I, I see this being a being a good thing for him yeah. um you know headland is uh or head Hedden mm-hmm. is uh, more experienced than maybe his five and now would would lead you to believe if you look at his amateur oh, record jesus. He's, he's, jesus graham hold yeah, on there's like a listed on t- well, well, oh, you're back now. You're, there was like a fucking, what? there was a wasp in your fucking microphone there a second. Go on anyway. What were you saying? Oh, where was I? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you're so, just in uh, England with more experience. Yeah, he's uh, more experienced. <laughs> more, he's more experienced than maybe his, his pro record would have you believe. Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah exactly. The lawnmower. Yeah. Um, seven wins and two losses on the topology amateur record so you know he's he's a bit more experienced than he, than, he, than maybe his 5 and 0 would look and it is, definitely is a step down for Paul Hughes but I don't think it's going to be any kind of walkover you know uh, this guy's de- definitely sees this as a big big opportunity and rightly so yeah. and um you know if if Paul Hughes hasn't um hasn't kind of looked at the, the last fight honestly and what he could have done better maybe that would be a problem but I don't really see that being I see I see his team and him being you know having their head screwed on enough to either way if they think the decision went the wrong way to look back at that fight and take positive uh, things to work on from it and implement them in this fight so I expect that and I expect a a, a good win here from Hughes but uh, you know it is a it is a really big fight. It's uh it's important he he turns up and l- looks like uh the guy we we've all 
kind of hyped him up to be. Yeah, hundred percent. So a huge fight for him uh, in that one. Uh, other than that, in this card, we have Will Curry against uh, Christian Duncan. Uh, Steve Hooper versus uh, Mikael Figlak. I, I, I actually bought Figlak brothers around this. You know, we saw Matthias against uh, Ian Gary, who we'll get to later. He's fighting Josh Plant. Um, so, th- like, those two guys are really, really good. And, you know, after Matthias fought Ian Gary, maybe people were thinking he isn't the best fighter in the world because of the way Ian Gary fought him, but he is really good and it kind of shows you how good Ian Gary is, I think. Uh, ben Ellis, 3-0, he's a fantastic fighter against many Akban, 2-0. That's great matchmaking there. Connor Hignett versus Lee Mitchell. Uh, Matthew Elliott versus Scott Pedersen as well, making their debuts. But obviously for Ireland and that one as well, um, we've Decky McAleenan against Kieran Lister. You know, Decky has kind of... Things have kind of changed for Decky recently. I think he's becoming, you know, seven and three record is a pretty good record for for Decky after maybe not the best start to his his uh, professional career anyway. And he's coming in here against Kieran Lister, who, you know, was fighting Joe McCulligan in his last fight, if I'm not mistaken, and who's a very very good fighter and on, was on the verge probably of a title shot at one fifty five. So, if Decky can win this. Decky's not a million miles away from a title shot at all at Cage Warriors at 155, I think, which would be absolutely, you know, huge for Decky. Beat Adam Vincher in his last fight, uh, and won his fight before that as well. Obviously, after coming off of a couple of losses in, in big fights against Tom Mearns and, and Steve Amiable, uh, you know, and lost his, uh, you know, the, the first fight he lost in his career was against James Gallagher in his uh, pro debut. So, you know, those are three names there that are, <laughs> there's no shame losing any of those three guys, and he's beaten everyone else. So, a uh, big fight for, uh, for Decky and I'm sure that uh, the whole gym uh, above in the uh, north east of the country will be uh, will be mad up for that one so I'm looking forward to, to seeing Decky coming back in there um, on the Friday night then we've Cage Warriors 1-2-1 one, one. Um, Aggie Sagdari is fighting Donovan Desme uh, I think I watched a lot of Sagdari before his last fight and he's a fantastic fighter all around he's one of those guys where you you look him up and you're like oh he's a judo guy oh wait no he's a karate guy oh no he's a wrestler he's you know he's all round a really really good fighter and this is a tough fight for Donovan Desme uh, for the hundred and fifty five pound title and then Jack Cartwright is fighting um, Sylvester Miller for the hundred and thirty five pound title obviously we'll break them down more uh, with uh, with Brad um, Ireland's own James Webb is back as well in this card against Matthew Bonner Marius Flaminas Jack Grant a very very good fight Brian Creighton Josh Reed oh it was a fun fight when Josh Reed is fighting uh, Joshua Wardy versus Omel Brown as well but I suppose the big one for Irish uh, MMA in this one is uh, Ian Gary versus Rostam Ackman and like Rostam is the, he's probably the, the biggest test of Ian Gary's um, career so far he's fought twice uh, in the UFC he's fought or yeah twice in the UFC went to a decision with Jake Matthews in his last fight we know how good Jake Matthews uh, is that was back in 2019 so you know this is a, a big fight for him and you know from an Irish point of view as well he beat uh, James Sheehan beat Kiefer Crosby in the amateur so this guy is absolutely no joke and this uh, you know Cage Warriors welterweight semi-final big fight for Ian Gary here Graham isn't it yeah, it's absolutely huge. As you said, it's, uh, I think it's definitely the the biggest fight of his career so far for Gary. Um, you know, a guy who's come, like most recently fought, fought in the UFC against Jake Matthews. Obviously, he lost, but it was by decision. And you know, we all know Jake Matthews for for a long time. We know we know how good he is. Um, and uh, as you mentioned, he has an extensive amateur record uh, with some wins over over guys we know from uh, the Irish scene and in uh, Sheehan and Crosby, as you mentioned. Uh, so he's he's an experienced guy. He's been around for a long time. He's been fighting since 2013. 
Um, it's definitely a, an experience a, a experience step up for uh, Gary and a quality step up. Um, this is, uh, you know, I think we're really going to see what Ian Gary, what, we're gonna, what where Ian Gary's at now at the moment. Uh, it's going to answer a lot of questions about that. It's going to, it's it's going to, if he can go out there and impressively win here, it's going to really explode his uh, his brand and his name. I think uh, people will start to take notice more outside of the the kind of European scene. Uh, so yeah, this is a huge, huge fight for Ian Gary, and I expect him to, to, you know, fight well. But uh, if you know, if he, if he makes some mistakes that we've seen him make in previous fights, he he could get he could get uh, you know capitalized on here. And I'm just very interested to see how it looks. I'm I'm I'm, I'm unsure about how this fight is going to go. He'll be given out to you now for saying he was making mistakes. He was given out to me last time after I said he made, made a few mistakes. But yeah, you're right. Look at anyone for what are the five fights into his career, they're going to make mistakes. Like it's it's just going to happen. But uh, I think he's looked so so good so far. It's hard not to to kind of build him up into being the next big thing. And if he wins this fight, you know, and the next two fights, if he wins them, like he's probably going to the UFC, he'll be a cage warrior champion. And you know, all the hype is met, but. It's it's not necessarily a case of, you know, all is boiling down to this. You know, we've seen lots of fighters and they lose a fight and it comes back and it makes them even better. And, you know, you're looking at Paul Hughes as well and you'll be hoping that for Irish MMA sake, that would be the case with him as well. Um, so they're, they're huge fights for, for Ian Gary and he's been wanting this kind of move towards the title and he's been wanting a, a bigger and better opponent. I think he had, you know, obviously the Figlak one, but his last fight, you know, he spoke to me about it before the fight and he was very unhappy with the, the level of his opponent and he went out and he showed why, basically, in that one. But it's, I think it's hard to get lads to fight Ian Gary, but when you put that title up on the line, maybe, maybe that's the way uh, they got it to do it. But, uh, yeah, big fight there and really, really looking forward to that and, uh, you know, we, we, might, be, uh, we might be hearing from Ian during the week as well yeah I think I think we all know how much potential he has it's just like as we mentioned before with, with um, Hughes and with Gary it's just uh, sometimes they can kind of get catapulted into into the, the upper echelons of the European scene too too early yeah. and it, it can be a detriment but you know uh, there's no doubt about the the abilities in my mind of, of Ian Gary it's just about you know uh, it's just about taking the right steps to, to make sure you can you can be ready to to, you know, become a Cage Warriors champion and to to make the transition to the UFC. So, yeah, as you mentioned, if he goes out here and, and loses, then, uh, you know, there'll likely be, be things to work on that will improve him and it won't be the end of the world. But uh, if he if he wins here, there's kind of, you know, there's kind of no stopping his, no stopping him kind of making an early rise. And, you know, that can be detrimental too. But but if he goes out here and does everything that uh, I'm sure he's he's I haven't heard much from him yet, but I, I'm sure he's going to cut some promos and tell us what he's going to do. And if he goes out and do that, that'll be a huge, huge statement. You know, not many guys uh, five and hour are fighting. You know, two fight UFC veterans who who've just been cut from the UFC, um, and you know, a lot of guys will will take the kind of you know another guy who's four and hour or five and one or some kind of journeyman who's, you know, 15 and 10 or something like that. But Ian Gary seems to, you know, have a lot of belief in himself through his interviews and through his uh, actions and taking fights. And that's a huge thing in MMA as well, like believing in yourself. And, um, you know, uh, I definitely, I definitely, some guys, you know, say things and you don't really believe what they're saying, but I, I believe Ian Gary has a lot of uh, faith in himself. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if he goes out and wins, wins uh, on a, you know what? What Friday, day is it? Friday, I think. Yeah. Friday, yeah. On Friday, uh, then you know, 
really we, we, we we've got we've who are you looking at then you know you can't really go down then so you have to go forward mm-hmm. what is it Flaminas and, and Jack Rant and the other it, one I think so and the winner of that will be his next opponent then so yeah it's, it's yeah. a be big fight one of those ones as well it's like two big fights in a row now if he can win but yeah it's it's huge and like I, I think one thing as well for someone like Ian Gary or any of the Irish fighters coming through as well because of what Conor McGregor has done and it's kind of made a lot of media in Ireland bigger names than maybe they should be or that they normally would be it gives these Irish guys a bigger exposure on a global scene. Like, I was talking to Ariel last night and talking about Ian Gary, and he was like, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to his fighting. Like, would someone else, like a 5-0 and guy from, from England or from Scotland or Wales or stuff, be known by someone like Ariel without the Irish guys kind of pushing him and without the whole McGregor thing making those Irish guys have a name? Like, I think that's a huge thing for Irish guys. And I actually saw someone giving out about it there recently. Uh, one of the, I think he was an, an English or a Welsh fighter or something giving out about that. It's like, oh, you know, if I was Irish, I'd be getting a lot more hype than I, than I am now. And it is it is true. It is 100% true. So I think, you know, if you're Ian Gary, if you're Paul Hughes, if you're Dickie McAleen, and if you're Kiefer Crosby, if you're James Gallagher, whoever you are, take advantage of that. Absolutely. Uh, and I think it is a big advantage for them. And, you know, that's part of MMA as well. So it's... Uh, it's a it's a big fight for him. Obviously, you know James Gallagher's a fight coming up against uh, Patchy Mix as well <laughs> soon. So there's lots of big fights for Irish MMA coming up as well. But on the Saturday night here, um, another a really really good card. I think the the Friday and the Saturday are fantastic cards. Uh, we have uh, in the undercard Nathan Fletcher against uh, Michelle Martignoni, both undefeated. Tom Mearns against uh, Yassine Balaj, two guys who've been around for a long time. And uh, Nicholas LeBlanc against Darno Garman. So a big fight for Darren. I know you have a soft spot for Darren. He's been around the scene as well a good while. And uh, if he picks up a win there against Nicholas LeBlanc, it'd be a big, big win for him. Um, Corin Easton versus John and Dye, another guy who's been around a long time and coming back. His second fight now, back with Cage Warriors. Uh, Aiden Stephen is back here as well. Liam Griffiths, Brian Booland is a very good fight. Uh, and then we have the two big ones. Probably, you know, arguably the two biggest fights of the, of the weekend. Uh, Paddy Pimblett back against Davida Martinez in the main event of the main card of the the trilogy. Uh, Jordan Vucinic against Morgan Shadier. Uh, first of all, to to Paddy Pimblett, Graham, what are you expecting? Like Paddy's been, uh, he fought Decky Dalton, but he's kind of been off a long time, and that Decky fight didn't go too long. It's a big fight for Paddy. He's talking about the UFC. He's saying, if I win this fight, I'll be going to the UFC. With 18 fights now into his career. This will be his 19th. If he can move to 16 and 3, he'll, I, you know, maybe maybe he want to fight for a Cage Warriors title and get it back. But he's done, been there and done that. So maybe he won't want to do it again. But this is this is a big opportunity, really, Graham, isn't it, for Paddy to, to kind of bounce back and maybe, maybe finally get to the UFC with a win here. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a nice fight for him, and it's a it's a must win. You know, he's he's coming in against a guy with a good record, but if you look at the guys on his record, his last win was a over a one and one guy. Before that, three and one, seven, thirteen and one, two and one. So you know, Paddy has been out for a while, but he has. He, I think he has to come in here and look impressive. You know, his hype train has kind of died down. You know, he had a he seemed to have a chance to join the UFC a couple of years back, or two or three years back, and kind of wanted to stay in Cage Warriors and. Maybe that was a good decision for his, you know, his re- readiness to go to the UFC. But in terms of his hype, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, uh, tapered off. And he, he definitely has the gift of the gab, and he he has the 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 crowd with him uh, in a big way, especially from his hometown. But you know, um, 
if he goes in and wins a decision here against a guy who's never really fought somebody the caliber of him, then I don't think he's going to be impressing too many people. So I think, you know, if he goes in there, gets a quick submission, um, that that's kind of what he what he has to do. Yeah. That's kind of the you know he has to finish this fight. I think. Yeah, I think he probably will too. I think. Uh... I think Martinez is very good. I think he's a good wrestler as well. Talking to a few people about him, let's go back and watch a few fights before I do the the preview of Brad. But it's a tough, uh, it's a tougher fight I think than it looks for Paddy. Uh, but with his submission game, I think he'll be happy enough to go to the ground if it does go there, and we'll see what he does. I know he's been training, or he was before his last fight anyway, up in uh, up in Leeds. They have a very good uh, Muay Thai kind of kickboxing gym there, and he was getting some uh, some rounds in there. And I don't know with the pandemic, maybe he hasn't been there in a while. But it'd be interesting to see Paddy striking if that's improved as well. Uh, and uh, where he is with his game but yeah I always looking forward to, to Paddy and then Sharia versus Vucinic you know we saw how good Vucinic is in his last fight against Paul Hughes did really really good uh, in that fight um, showed some good takedown defence you know we know how good of a striker he is but I just think Morgan Sharia is, is a little bit of a level above I think he's a fantastic athlete his kicks to the legs and body are brilliant he has power in his hands Um I think Vucinic will need to be maybe a little bit more defensive in this fight. Maybe try to throw in a few takedowns and get on top of Sharia, but that's easier said than done as well. Um, I know Sharia maybe hasn't the best record in North 16-7-1 compared to Vucinic 7-1 coming through. And this is uh, another big test for, for both of the guys, I suppose. But uh, I think Sharia has improved an awful lot over the last while. And it's not just, you know, a lot of people are saying he's just hype and he's just a... Uh, you know, because of his YouTube thing and he's getting all this hype and on, but he's definitely improved an awful lot uh, over the last while. And I think uh, I think he'll beat Jordan Vucinic here, although, you know, you, you'd never know. And if Vucinic does win it, what a kind of rise that has been. I know he's uh, always been a good guy around the place and a good prospect, but to beat Paul Hughes and um, Morgan Sharia two fights in a row will be absolutely huge for him. So, um a big, big opportunity for uh, for him, and a, a big, uh, a big three nights as well for the Cage Warriors brand. Uh, and I'm, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait to see how it all plans out. All right, um, that is it from us, Graham. Actually, as well, if uh, if anyone hasn't signed up to Patreon, you haven't listened to myself and Ian O'Neill's podcast, The Chasing Pack. It's a brand new podcast. All the promotions outside of the UFC, no UFC talk, all Bellator, PFL, Brave, uh, loads of people have come back and said they really enjoyed it, and it's, it's uh, you know, from all the new podcasts we started over the last while, the reaction to this one has been better than any of them, so if you haven't checked that out, uh, please do, over on, uh, over on Patreon, and, and sign up patreon.com forward slash severe and podcast, and shout out to Ian, Jake, and Andy, and Patrick, and all the boys as well, uh, doing good work for, uh, for Severe MMA. Right, that's it. Uh, thank you very much. Hopefully Liverpool will get a win with Paddy Pimblett next weekend because I can't get another one anywhere else. <sighs> Badumch. Uh, and uh, <laughs> sorry about that, Graham. I apologise for all Liverpool. We'll. Uh, That's all right. Go on. Liverpool are coming off coming off a, a nice home win there in uh, in Europe. Yeah, Liverpool have <laughs> finally got the home win in there. Where in was it? Home in quotation marks. Where was it? Budapest or somewhere? Or where was the fight on? Or the, Budapest. The, yeah. They have more home points in Budapest in this year than they have in Anfield. <laughs> what a what a fucking stat <laughs> that is! That's just unbelievable. Oh god! Yeah. Oh my god! You're so shit. It's it makes me just unbelievably happy. But uh, <laughs> we have to sack off the provincial. You know, rest the players against Fulham for the the big fish in the Champions League. I got you farewell last night, though, didn't I? When you were uh, celebrating finishing eleventh, I was like, ah, oh, won't be the last time a Liverpool fan celebrates finishing. 11th this year oh, I, I got you 
nice. I was going to say, um, I was going to say, uh, uh, I wasn't celebrating finishing 11th. I was, I was, uh, I was finishing ahead of you, but uh, yeah. I couldn't really make that. I, that comeback any <laughs> no. comeback with Liverpool and Man United because you know it's looking very 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 bleak for finishing ahead of Man United yes. this season so I just left it I have to take the L on that one do we do yeah fair play it's nice to know to do that do we do that bet at the start of the year as well like we do every year where we have to change our profile picture of Man no fortunately we didn't yeah. I think you I think you thought uh, it wasn't going to happen for Man yeah. United so uh, luckily <laughs> for me <laughs> I probably didn't fairness yeah uh, but sure fuck it uh, right everybody thank you very much for listening I uh, appreciate you. Follow me at Sean Sheehan BA. Follow Graham at Severe May. Give us a, a, if you're on Sound, actually SoundCloud, there's a new thing on SoundCloud where it's, uh, you get money for listens there. So if you want to support us that way, uh, download us on SoundCloud, start listening to us there and um, uh, subscribe on SoundCloud so that matters. And wherever else you are, iTunes, Spotify, give us the thumbs up, give us a five star rating. If you write a review, that would be absolutely fantastic as well. Uh, and we appreciate all of that. We know, I know we got a lot of them. We kind of, we started a few years ago, but we haven't had one in a while. So if you're a new listener, and you've never written a review or given us uh, five stars, please do that because we we never ask for it. We don't know you about things Just like that. Speed all the Whatever. algorithms in any in any way you can, likes and yeah. ratings and all that sharing and stuff like that is a great help if you, if you if you uh, enjoy the show. Indeed, and you can share to your Instagram stories as well, which is always a good way of doing it. If you're on uh, Spotify or on SoundCloud, so do that. Tag myself at Sean Sheen BA and Graham at Severe Mayor Severe Mayor Pod as well, or Instagram account over there. So thank you to everybody for listening and all that's left to do is give the inspirational quote of the week nobody can go back and start a new beginning but we can all start now and make a better ending we'll see you next Tuesday I promise something.